Hello everyone, this is Victoria with Simply Grand and welcome to Simply Grand's podcast. Simply Grand is all things fun for today's contemporary grandparents while honoring the ancestors. Thanks for tuning in. and welcome to a new episode of the Simply Grand podcast. I'm your host, Victoria. And on today's show, I have a fun conversation with Barry Jackson, former programmer at KKFI 90.1 FM in Kansas City, Missouri, whose popular show was the Fusion Funkmeister. You'll hear him talk about the local greats he's played with as a musician and those he's interviewed, but also just talk about some of his experiences growing up in Kansas City. In addition, he's a father and grandfather who loves spending time with his family. Barry's sharp wit and personality definitely makes him one of a kind. I know you'll enjoy listening to him share his memories as much as I did. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or whatever platform you listen and continue to spread the word. I absolutely love hearing the feedback I receive about the podcast, so thank you so much for listening. So after this quick break, you'll hear from my friend, Mr. Barry Jackson. doing fine how about yourself i'm fine i'm fine thank you so much for um coming on the show today um 
yeah, I, I'm so excited to talk to you, buddy. I haven't talked to you in forever. And um, I want the Simply Grand audience to know you are a man with opinions, funny opinions, mind-thinking opinions. But one thing is certain that I know about you. You tell it straight. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. best known for being an on-air personality at KKFI 90.1 City, where you had a show, but I can't remember the show name. What was that? Well, uh, basically, it was... Uh... I just went by my state, my on-air name, and that was the Fusion Funk Meister. The reason why, the reason why was because I played uh, uh, basically just a DJ who liked to talk to other musicians, but I but I played primarily uh, funk music, which is nothing more than you know an, an offshot of, of rhythm and blues, and um, I also played fusion, which is uh, an offshot of jazz uh, that uh, employs uh, uh, more electronic uh, instruments, you know, electric guitars, electric keyboards, um, and and that type of thing. Um, because it just, I just felt like, you know, there was a, a place for it on the, you know, on, on the radio dial. Yeah. You know, for, for a day or two out of the week and, um, I was fortunate enough to develop a, a fairly decent following, you know, and I'm really, really appreciated, you know, the, the feedback that I got from people. And um, not only that, <clears throat> um, it gave me an opportunity to highlight uh, some musicians that maybe a lot of people had heard of or and, and maybe many had not heard of uh, who uh, were playing music that they were listening to and just weren't aware that these folks were involved. Uh-huh. Um, you know, for instance, uh, one of my favorite people to interview was uh, George Duke. And while a lot of people were aware of who George Duke was, they weren't aware of how much music that man wrote and for how many people he wrote for. Wow, like who? Well, um, a lot of when uh, Jeffrey Osborne went solo, you know, quite a few of his music that he uh, that you know f- featured Jeffrey Osborne was either written or produced by George Duke. Um, he and um, let's see, I think you know the song uh, "Boogie Oogie Oogie" by a Taste of Honey. George uh-huh, Duke wrote. Yeah. George Duke wrote that. Okay. Okay. Didn't know that. Uh, there were quite a few other people. I mean, I put it like this: when I when I talked to George, and I've known George probably since about 1996 is when I first met him. But um, uh, I asked him. I said, "Is there anybody?" I know it was it, it was over 500 recordings that he was responsible for that you know didn't necessarily feature him as a solo artist but um i asked him i said is there anybody that you haven't recorded with that you'd like to record with and his response is man i don't even know (laughs) you know i mean because he would you'd look up on something by rashawn roland kirk as george duke on keyboards um when I went, when I got hit, when I got hit to Cannonball Adderley, he had Joe Zawinul, who created the group Weather Report, uh, playing with him. But uh, George Duke was in the band before Zawinul was keyboardist. Um, George and Al Jarreau had a very long history, you know, together. They used to play in a club back in six. I think they've got a recording from about 1966 and 1967, the, a live recording that they played in a club. And their act, it started out that, that Al Jarreau would just come and sit in, you know, during jam sessions with George. But they got together and played together for so long. I think some, this, this is something that Al Jarreau said at George at a memorial service for, for George, because, you know, he passed away a few years ago. But, mm-hmm, right. Uh, before Al Jarreau. But uh, Al said that 
they were doing so well at this club in San Francisco that the other jazz clubs in the Bay Area were concerned. So um, this was very early in uh, George's career. But one thing that uh, and, and, and another little fact factoid about George, um, one thing that allowed me and him to get close and, 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 and uh, communicate so much uh, over the years, we were both trombone players. Apparently, George went to San Jose State at Luna trombone scholarship. And so that was his major instrument, but he also played piano. And but that and that's what he's most known for is his piano work. So yeah, hmm. but um then there's um my buddy uh Mike Clark, who uh played with Herbie Hancock for a short period of time. He's uh, Mike played drum plays drums. We uh, uh managed to maintain uh, uh contact to this day but uh, I met him when he played he didn't he didn't remember at first but he but I met him when he played with Herbie and he used to come here to Kansas City and perform um, they would uh, come down it was a club that used to be in, in Union Station and they had, they had a jazz club there and they would bring a lot of top name acts there um, Weather Report would come down there and play um, Brian Auger and the Oblivion Express would play. Um, uh-huh. um, Brian Auger is somebody else that you know was another is another good friend. Uh, he had a band over in over in London. He's English and he came came uh, he himself. And he, he he came when he came over before he came over. He had a band and he had a little known uh, lead singer by the name of uh, his name is Rod Stewart. <laughs> The Rod Stewart? Yeah. And uh yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Um now know, did you ever interview uh uh Norman Brown? I didn't get to interview Norman Brown, but I used to sit in I used to jam with him when before he left here to uh um uh, go into the recording industry. Um we used to play at um the Epicurean up on Seven Fifty Prospect. On, okay. Saturday, on Saturday afternoons, and uh, he was uh, playing with uh, with his with his music teacher from school. He was still in school, and uh, Norman was, and me and him, and uh, a local bassist named Joseph Strauss used to play together. And uh, did I mention Bishop Cunningham? Because it was Bishop's <laughs> band that that Norman played in. So, uh, this you know, and and then uh, I had a friend that a couple of friends had played with Norman after he became a, a recording artist. Um, Alonzo Powell played drums. We he and I had played together in a band back in the seventies, and um, the uh, and then uh, another friend of mine named Craig Lindsay, who was actually the musical director for Norman's band, uh-huh. and. Uh, Craig Craig Lindsay still uh still he's works as an engineer and he still plays but he he uh produces and uh does recordings for a, a lot of of uh, local artists here so uh, uh mm-hmm. but he and Norman still maintains you know I think I think they got a got a Grammy for uh, uh, Producing a, a a rendition of uh, "That's the Way Love Goes" by Janet Jackson. Right, right, right. So, um, you know, you'd be surprised who who's done what in this town. Seriously, uh, mm-hmm. and I, that was one of the things I, in, in, you know, it's true that I I tried to get as many of the uh, people from you know, the big names in the recording industry. But I always wanted to make sure that I, you know, uh, gave some exposure to uh, local artists here, uh, like like Lonnie, like the McFadden brothers. Yes, I was getting ready to ask you about them. <clears throat> you know, cats I've been knowing for, for forever. Uh, 
and come to find out that my father and his father all knew each other. <clears throat> you know, Lonnie's father was a world-class tap dancer and performed with, uh, you know, would tour with the, with the Heinz brothers, Heinz, Heinz and dad. And, uh, was their name, was their act, was the name of their act. Uh, Whoever that was that Sammy Davis Jr. used to perform with. And uh, oh, I can't remember. I, I, was it tip tap and toe? I can't I can't remember what you know, there there was a, there was an actor that went by that name, but I don't I don't remember if that was uh the one that Sammy Davis Jr. was in. But nevertheless, uh they also uh used to perform a, a, uh Wayne Newton loved the the the, the uh McFadden brothers. Uh, oh, really? They he would send for them to come out and perform out in Vegas, and and then when he opened up a club in Branson, they would go down there and perform all the time. I think Lonnie has a has a club now, um, in a hotel down in downtown Kansas City. Well, uh, I, I I saw him perform a few times. Um, is that the Phoenix? I want to say the Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, at the Phoenix. Yes, I've seen him perform a few times, and it, it was amazing, just amazing. The man, the man has like, the man has has big energy. You were saying he plays the trumpet as well, I believe. Plays trumpet and, and yeah, and, and he sings and he dances. Uh huh. Yes, yes, trifecta. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and you get that same thing with his brother Ronnie. So uh, I think Ronnie is teaching tap. To teaching tap dance, uh, he has been for, for you know a lot of years. But uh, I tell you what, it's nothing like playing with them. Uh, mm. They 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 have a way of uh, of uh, bringing a lot of brightness to what to whatever it is that you know that you're playing. Absolutely, absolutely. You know. They, we know how to shine a light on stuff, but, but you know them, and and then of course we've got uh, Will Matthews, uh, an, you know, wonderful guitarist, who um, uh, has been playing with the Count Basie Orchestra for a few decades now. Um, another good friend, and then Tyron, you know, and and then uh, Tyrone Clark. Who plays bass a bit here in Kansas City. And mm -hmm. the nexus in all of that is, is Lonnie because they used to have a they, they, uh, Lonnie, Ronnie, Tyrone, and Will used to have a band called Lonnie and the Band. And Lonnie and the Band. Lonnie and the Band. And in fact, the very minute that I was leaving to go off to school, I had gotten a, a music scholarship at Mississippi Valley State University down in uh, Itabina, Mississippi. And uh, just as I was go fixing to go out the door, the phone rang, and I answered the phone. It was Lonnie. And he was just putting that band, Lonnie and the band, together, and he wanted me to come play with him. And unfortunately, I had to turn him down. And then uh, mm. I came home for Christmas break, I think it was. He calls me from Tokyo, Japan. Mm -hmm. You know, I I didn't think a whole lot about about saying no when because I really I didn't know Lonnie at the time. Wait, so when he called you as you're heading out the door to go to college, he didn't tell you that the trip was to Japan. No, 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 no. What it was was that no, he was just putting the band together then when he called me. It's just oh, okay. that, it's okay. just a, it, the, the thing of it is, I didn't know who Lonnie was. And gotcha. you know, having played in a few bands already and kind of having a big head. And uh um I'd been in some I'd been in some situations where somebody would ask me to join them. You know, you don't you don't know what you get you're walking into when you go to somebody's rehearsal and you're not familiar with them. Um, yeah, I brought that up because I was thinking 
by you missing out on that amazing opportunity to go out, out of the country, you know, but. No, it wasn't see, that, you know, at the time, since I didn't know him, I wasn't sure what, you know, I probably could have said, okay, I'm not going off to college. I'm going to go play with this band. Of course, that would have created a real ruckus in my family. But <laughs> at the same time, it, it, you know, it would have been worth the chance. And it might have been worth the chance. You never know. And um, but because I didn't know him, a lot of times I'm inclined to say no if I already got something else going on, and, you know, of course. And, um, you know, I wasn't aware that he was as good as he was. He is, rather, you know, I was because mm -hmm. I've been in some been in some situations where I wish I hadn't shown up. So, <laughs> You know, I come, come to find out these people don't have never played before, you know, never done, never played their instrument. They don't know what they're doing. And so I'm trying to be be cool and not say anything because these people might hurt you if you tell them, let me get out of here, you know. <laughs> so uh, you have to find a diplomatic way of dealing with that. And I was hoping, that, so I was trying to avoid having that kind of situation. And gotcha. and, and again, yeah. and again, I already had a commitment. So, um, you know, but had I known, you know, that, um, you know, that, you know, when he called me from Tokyo, I'm like, well, how in the world did they get a gig in Tokyo? They must be awfully good. And then I heard from a few other people, heard it, you know, from a few other people. Hey, man. Lonnie used to play with with um, Cladnam and Her, which was a local band that had uh, some real stars in the group, and they came together real well as a band. And I wasn't aware of the fact that I had already heard Lonnie play because I'd heard the band. You know, um, Clad Clad Bagby was uh, the top notch trumpet player. Uh, Her was uh, Betty Jo Miller, who's, you know, she comes from music royalty. Her, you know, her mother, Betty Miller, and her father, oh, I can't think of his name right now, uh, Milt Abel, played bass. And I'd played with Milt before, you know. Hmm. And, um, I mean, top-notch musicians. Their drummer was a top-notch musician, James Strawn, and, um, um, you know, just... You know, but, but and, and I knew that they had another trumpet player that they called Pee Wee, but it turned out Pee Wee was Lonnie. Okay. <laughs> you know, the guitar player, Ira Wilkes, lives down in Florida now. I mean, you know, I I would, you know, if, 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 if Ira moved back, he was so good. If Ira moved back to Kansas City, I would kill to get in a band with him right now. You know, that's just how good that band was. Mm. They they were the band to you know to, to to model yourself after if you were going to put a band together here in Kansas City. Mm. And Lonnie was a part of that group, but I just wasn't when he called me. I didn't know that that was a you know he was in that band. So, um, what makes Kansas City so famous for its jazz? Well, I mean. When you you think about the, the one thing, of course, is Charlie Parker. You know, Bird. You know, Charlie Bird, Yardbird Parker comes along and takes music, and he created. He basically created bebop style jazz. Um, you know, where you take an old standard tune, he took them and 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 you know, basically changed the melody. You know, he, he took his, he took some, you know, his improvised licks and made a melody out of them. Um, you know, and that would, that's a whole nother conversation there. Trust mm -hmm. me. Uh -huh. um, but uh, the other thing was that because of, um, you know, a lot of bands would come through Kansas City and they'd find an audience 
and sometimes they'd set up shop here, you know, or a lot of musicians would find an audience instead of shop here. You know, Count Basie kind of more than got his start here. He used to play play organ in the theaters behind the silent movie. And oh. that type of thing. And so when these people leave from here and 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 go out elsewhere, you know, um, it, it makes a lot of people want to pay attention to, you know, you know, pluck a lot of talent out of Kansas City. And uh, you know, I uh did Duke, did Duke play here as well? Duke Ellington? Um uh, he may have, but I didn't I I'm I'm not I'm not the person to to, to tell you one way or the other. I'm sure he did. Uh I'm at sure. least some of it, at least some of his musicians have performed here. Um a lot of times when they uh when when um the uh Charlie Parker Foundation would uh sponsor um concerts here in Kansas City um with name acts, you know, um it would be nothing to, you know, when you find yourself hanging out with Max Roach who played with played with Charlie Parker or or Dizzy or Sarah Vaughn. Um Mm-hmm. You know, or so many, so many of those folks that, uh, you know, but but I, but Bird definitely, if if any one person, you know, put Kansas City on the map, it would be Charlie Parker. Yeah. Definitely so. You know, when you you get, you know, you, when somebody can come come along and excuse me, and wind up uh, changing a changing music the way he did. Um. You, you know, then people are going to want to try to figure out, well, you know, what else they got in Kansas City? And so that that's made it easy for a lot of artists. I can t- I can tell you, having been other places, if you mentioned you're from Kansas City and you've got your instrument with you, folks, the people are going to test you. They're going to put you put you through it. And <clears throat> they've just come to, you know, they've come to have that expectation. You know, that's and and not just in in terms of jazz either. I mean, you know, look at our look at our girl, our home girl, um, Janelle Monet. Yes. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. now, that, was there ever competition, or has it? Uh, is there any beef between the type of New Orleans style jazz versus Kansas City jazz? Not really. Not really. I mean. Musicians don't compete the way athletes and politicians and, and, and other people do. We just say, oh, well, that's good, too. Now, what, what can I learn? What can I, you know, and, and it's more like, you know, what can I learn from that? You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, they, they want to talk about West Coast jazz and what have you. West Coast jazz, to me, is is... <laughs> it's good stuff. I think more of the people that I interviewed on my radios who were probably from the Bay Area. Um, you know, when you but you know, and they and I've heard people want to do that same thing with funk, say, well, you know, George Clinton created funk. I'm thinking, well, I don't know. He may have he created a style of funk, but um you can't leave out Slash Stone. You know, you can't leave out the Ohio players. You can't leave out, you know, a lot of people. So, um, you know, James Brown, for that matter. When he got it. So, you know, it's, it's, I think the thing about and 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 getting back to talking about Kansas City musicians, I think the one thing that I found out that people from around the, from other parts of the country have figured out about about Kansas City musicians, we like to have we like to make sure we're having fun with the music. You know, otherwise it's just you're just going through the motions. And um you know that that's that's what it does for you know. I think that's when musicians from Kansas City get up on stage and people you know hear what we've got what we've got to you know got to uh, 
contribute, then it makes them take notice. Now, do you come from a musical family, Barry? Mm, sort of. I'm, uh, I had older brothers that played. Um, one, one, uh, my second eldest brother. I'm, I'm from a family of four boys. And, um, I don't know if my oldest brother played anything, but my second eldest brother played about eight instruments. And oh my goodness! And then the my brother right over played trombone. Um, when I was uh, trying to not play music. Uh, I wanted to go into visual art. And his senior year, uh, he gave he, he quit playing, so he concentrated on running track. <clears throat> running track his senior year of high school. That was the year I was in seventh grade then. And I happened to run into the uh, junior high school band director in, in, in the cafeteria, and he asked me, are you going to play trombone like your brother? I, you know, because when my brother started playing, it was like that got all over the junior high school and the high school. And I'm like, what? You know, we both looked at each other like, what is the big deal? But, you know, and I'm in Mr. Farrell's art class, and I'm not, I ain't thinking about this. You know, why people come to me? And what's the Huh? What school is it? This was Central. What school is it? Central, Central. Yeah, okay. he was a Central senior. I was in Central junior. And okay. you know, so we get home and hear people, you know, t- talking like, I mean, you'd have thought somebody snatched something off the off a statue or something. But um, <laughs> anyway, the the band director came and said, "Are you gonna you gonna pick up trombone since your brother's not playing it anymore?" I said, "No, I'm going too hard." And it seemed like within a couple of days, see, the band, see, my problem was the band director lived around the corner. And my guidance counselor lived three blocks south of, of us. Uh-huh. Well, apparently they got together with my dad. And I remember being in art class and being called to the office. I'm trying to figure out, all right, I ain't messed with nobody. You know, back then, I was, you know, back then, I I was really goody two, two shoes. So I'm like, well, what am I getting called in the office for? And next thing, I get there, and the three of them are sitting in Mr. Randolph, the guidance counselor's office. He says, uh, Let's, you know, have a seat. I came and sat down. And they said, well, which, your schedule's being changed. What? What? Why? Well, you'll be taking you'll be taking band. You won't be in art class. And I looked at Mister 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 Heath, the band director. Sylvester Heath was the band director's name. And I just looked at him and I said, "I thank you very damn much." Turn and turn to walk out. My father grabbed me by the scruff of my neck. I said, "There's a trombone in the closet at home. You're gonna. That's what you're gonna do." Oh, okay. And see, that was back when teachers lived in your neighborhood, really lived in your neighborhood, because Mr. Heath also went to our church, which was right around the corner from the house. So I got yeah. I got yeah. private lessons when I wanted them. Not. And it was it was a pain for me because actually that trombone was bigger than I was. And I had to walk 13 blocks with that home. And I didn't like Oh wow. I didn't like carrying that home. You know. <laughs> so I did I'd walk a block, put it down, change hands, walk a block, put it down, change hands, you know. And then and then I'm carrying books too. So, you know, but Somehow or another, before the year was out, I took to it. Um, you know, I started doing more than using it as a weapon. <laughs> using it as a weapon, Barry? Well, I wasn't that big. So yeah, had, yeah. So, but, I had, uh... so I had 
other seventh graders, eighth graders, and some of the folks from high school who would want to pick at me. So I'd wind up swinging at, swinging on them with it. Oh. While you know, while I was in the case. And uh, did you hit anybody, uh, Mary? Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm sure it didn't, and I'm sure it didn't feel good either. <laughs> but before the but before the year was out, I could walk from from you know from Linwood, Indiana, to Forty First and Bell Fountain without any problems. So. Oh, you know, wow. that is funny. You, know, you get a mouth full of trombone case that'll, that'll change your mind about what you intended to do mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um, I think from there you know we used to the eighth grade year we used to have little jam sessions and stuff you know and and uh, I began to take a liking to the horn you know and then I'd sit at home and during the summer and play with play with whatever was playing on the radio and uh, it thing about trombone is you really have to have the right you really better you have to have a, a real sense of pitch in your you know, be, you know between between them you know between your ears and that brain it better be working right because you don't have set positions you know, set. Uh, it's not like playing a trumpet or a sack of a clarinet, where you know you hit, you push this note down. You you know you push this this key or this or whatever down. You you know you're going to get this note. You really have to make sure that you know where you where where that slide is going when you're playing. So, and, and in the process, I developed what they call perfect pitch, where you can hear a note without seeing somebody play it and tell them what that note is. So, um, uh, so I, last time you picked up a trombone? Oh, probably <laughs> 95. <laughs> no, I take that back. Um, it's really about three, three or four years ago uh, I, I played uh, on a uh, uh, one of the tunes on Bloodstone's last uh, last record, and uh, uh, riding a bike. Say again. Is it like riding a bike? You don't tell oh, yeah. once you start. Everything comes it, back it, to it. It definitely memory. is. Um, uh, you. It it helps if you have some. It helps if you have some time to to really practice so that you can. Develop them, you know, you know, redevelop those muscles in your in your lips, and uh, that way you've got some stamina, and it makes it easier to hit, you know, higher notes. Otherwise, uh, you know, you get tired very easily. And, I mean, I don't think I was in the in the shape to maybe play. Club date, a four-hour club date, but but I was able to I was you know for what I was I was okay for what I had to do on that on the uh, one or two songs that I played on the Bloodstone. So, well, you never know. Now the weather's getting better, Barry, and um, seems like we're trying to get back to normal uh, during this pandemic. Maybe you can ha have a little mini concert at a park somewhere. You know? Well, that is a possibility. Um, one band show, wouldn't that be fun? One band show, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. okay. yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> but uh, I'm serious. Um, you I'm can serious. be serious if you want to. <laughs> but uh, I'll sing for you. I will sing, Gary. Oh, How no. about that? But anyway. I can't sing. I Who can sing, Barry, that? but that's another subject. Who told you that? Huh? Everybody. You've never heard me sing, sweetie. Oh, I grew okay. up singing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, you have to, anyway. you have to understand, <laughs> being being an instrumentalist, uh, you know, at least at heart, I'm, I'm, I'm very hard on vocalists. 
because y'all don't carry. You, the only thing you carry is a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, see, see, there's a hierarchy. You have to understand, in, 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 among musicians, there's a hierarchy. Drummers and keyboard players, and then guitar players, and then horn players, and then vocalists, because. Oh, we well, drum, drummers carry, probably carry the most equipment, you know, and to some degree. Yeah. And then, then, then you've got keyboard players who might carry a little bit less, maybe a little more. Then you've got guitar players. You know, they've got their amp and they've got, you know, their their guitar. And then they probably got some some uh, special effects, foot pedals and what have you. So they've got a lot of equipment to carry. Then you've got horn players who got their horn to carry. Well, when you're in a band, usually when the band is setting up, it's nothing like nothing. It's nothing like having a keyboard player telling you, "Come here, you ain't doing nothing," because all you got to do is put your horn together and set it on the stand, and you know you're ready. You're ready to play. Where they've got probably need a half hour, forty five minutes to set up, you know, because they've got all this equipment to carry, you know, and uh, then you got the then you've got the vocalist who usually, especially if you've got a male vocalist. The only thing he does is come in and just beat the women off of. <laughs> He's the one that gets all he gets, okay, he gets all the attention, and, he, and like I said, all he's all he's holding is a microphone. Okay, what about the female? Well, she's she's getting attention from men. <laughs> or some, or some of the other fellas. Wait a minute, or some of the other fellas in the band. So you know. Um, True. Yeah, it's, I think it's probably less like that more now. I think more now, more so now. I think it's it's probably about business. You know, folks come in and well. do what they've got to do, and all that other stuff goes by the wayside. You know? mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, but having said that, keep in mind I haven't I haven't been involved in the business. So not from that end. So, uh, uh, I, well, I'm telling you, the one man show. Yeah, there you go. We'll talk one offline. Man show. Yeah. No, all you're going to hear is trombone. That's all because I don't play anything else. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Have a little tambourine. And who, who's going, while well, I'm playing trombone, who's going to play it? I'll do the tambourine. Then it's not, then it's not a one. Song, then it's not a one-man show. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. You're right. You're right. If you keep saying, you I keep saying one-man show, that means I've got to be able to do it all. And guess <laughs> what? We know that yeah. ain't gonna happen because I'm not gonna <laughs> play trombone while I'm playing tambourine. <laughs> sure. But you're the featured guest, so be happy Say about what? that, Barry. <laughs> You're the featured guest, so well, be happy I, about that. Well, I could be featured. Featured I could be the band leader. I better have a band with me. <laughs> but we'll definitely talk about that because now you got my creative mm-hmm. juices flowing. Yeah. But anyway, oh, what is next for you, Mr. What's Barry that? Jackson? Because you've done so much with your life. I said, what's next on your plate? Because you've done so much. And oh, my goodness, it's all, we all, we've all been talking for almost... Um, uh, 40 minutes because you're I call you a human encyclopedia because there's no subject that you <laughs> don't know about I could talk to you for hours that's why I said oh, I loved your opinions well, you know let's let's leave politics out of it wow um what's next I don't know I'm I am looking at putting my own podcast um good I, know, I, I miss doing radio uh, it was a lot of fun um, really, I really like the sure. idea of being in the studio without a bunch of other folks being involved. <laughs> you know, right. but uh, and I, I and I have friends who have uh, contacted me on social media about doing uh, and by phone about doing interviews. You know, not having a platform at and right at the moment. Uh, it just tells me I need to put one together. So, um, 
somewhere along the, you know, somewhere here in the next few months, I think I can look at doing that. Uh, a lot of, you know, especially given, you know, with, with this uh, pandemic at, at the expense of, you know, dating this interview, I, uh, you know, a lot of musicians are hurting right now because they, they can't tour. You know, they can't do concerts, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, it can get very, right. it can very get very time consuming and expensive, even you know to do. Sometimes to to do to do uh, uh, recordings virtually, you know. Um, although I mean, a lot of them do it uh, all the time. Um, you know, they'll record their parts and send them to somebody, and then somebody has to mix all of that stuff down, and. You know, you got to pay somebody to do it, and you know, or it's it's not easy. You know, since you can't be in the same place at the same time, unless you do some serious social distancing. Um, you know, I but and so I know you know there's some they're still able to record, but they want to be able to promote those you know promote those records. And mm -hmm. so one of the best ways is doing an interview. And I guess they, I don't know what I did. I'm still trying to learn how to interview people, you know, but apparently, you know, they feel comfortable enough talking to me, you know, that, uh, they can think in terms of promoting their, their material, you know, their projects, you know, through an interview with me. So, uh, Right. I, you know, I've got to, so I've got to try to get myself back in a position where I can be of service. You know. Well, please keep us posted, Barry, because you do have a lot to offer. And you, when you're on the air, I just love listening to your show. So you do, you still have that audience and you still have that brand. So please um, keep us posted. But in the few minutes that I have left with you, by this being Women's History Month, who was the most influential woman in, or women in your life that has shaped you, shaped you and who you are? I think. Um, Besides me, because I, I already know that, but because I'm your friend. What? But go ahead. I said besides me, because I'm your friend, but go ahead. What other women have influenced you, Barry? <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> Well, I mean, my grandmother on my mother's side and uh, mm -hmm. my mother and her three sisters easily, you know, and, uh, easily. Okay. I mean, um, for one thing, if I've got any kind of sense of humor at all, I got it from my, you know, my mother and my aunts. Um, I used to eavesdrop on, you know, they would, maybe two of them would get together at one house and two of them would get together at another's house. And I'd, if, you know, wherever my mother was, I'd pick up a phone and eavesdrop and I'd hear them clowning. They would, I mean... I can see you doing that too. I mean, you are see, that person. Some of that stuff needed to be recorded. You know, sales would have gone through the roof. You know, they'd got go. They would have got gold records. I mean, so it, you know, and um, you know, the families would get together on the holidays, and um, you know, it it just didn't it just didn't matter where we were. I mean, it. Just, just hearing them, just hearing them, you know, just, just talk about just general stuff. They, they just had a humorous way of, 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 of dealing with it all, and, um, you know, so, you know, if I have a, well, let's just say, you know, like when I would sit in on Donna Morrow Wolf's show. 
And uh, I think somebody, you know, called in, was talking about, is this a comedy show or something? I said, well, you know, hey, I don't see any point in taking life so seriously that I can't find some humor in everything that's going on out here. You know. Exactly. I mean, um, I think it's probably gotten me in some trouble in some in some places, but at the same time, I mean, it's not it it keeps me from losing sleep over what's happening out here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you have this look for people who don't know Barry, don't know you, Barry. You have this look where you can look down with your glasses and be like, uh, you better <laughs> shut up before I go off. You have a look. It's hilarious. Well, you know, I guess the other, you know, but see, but see, my brothers developed that too. You know, mm -hmm, we, uh -huh. we got it from somewhere, and I know it had to have been either, you know, from it had to be from one of my parents. My mother had that way, had that way of living. You know, okay, you can shut up now. <laughs> well that's nice that you're honoring your grandmother and your aunts and it's one thing that um simply grant is about is honoring mm -hmm. the ancestors so thank oh, you for yeah. doing that barry and yeah yeah it was great talking to you and uh we'll have to do this again and once you get your one man show together you have to come back or whatever you do Barry whether you start your podcast or whatever think, you do I think um, I think you have the, to come back I think the podcast, the podcast is going to be the only one man show I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk yeah. we'll definitely talk <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you again Barry I really uh, no appreciate it okay all right take all care right, we'll talk soon bye you too. Thank you so much for tuning in to Simply Grand's podcast today. Make sure you tune in each Thursday for a new episode. And also follow Simply Grand on Instagram and Facebook at Simply Grand Grandparents. See you next week.